Hello, and welcome to the OnTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTIC Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Brad Taylor. Brad is a retired lieutenant colonel, a 21-year veteran of the U.S. Army Infantry and Special Forces, including eight years with the 1st Special Forces Operational Detachment, known as Delta. Taylor retired in 2010 after serving more than two decades and participating in Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom, as well as classified operations around the globe. Brad's final military post was as a assistant professor of military science at the Citadel. Brad has written 15 New York Times bestsellers. When not writing, he serves as a security consultant on asymmetric threats for various agencies. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina with his wife and two daughters. Brad, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you have End of Days, your new thriller due to be published on January the 11th. Tell me a little bit about the story. Yeah, I, uh, this story actually came out, it's kind of a combination of COVID restrictions and what I did in the past. So I did uh, book research for Ring of Fire. I'd come out of Morocco and I, I was doing what every great American, I had a two-day layover in Rome and I did a Segway tour. And this car passed me by, it had diplomatic plates, and I didn't recognize the plates. And I asked my guide who it was, and they said, it's the Knights of Malta. And I had never heard of them. And I hmm. said, what in the world are the Knights of Malta? And he gave me a quick class on it. They're, they've been around since uh, the First Crusade. Uh, they have their own passports. They have a seat at the UN, observer status. They have uh, um, diplomatic relations with multiple countries, make their own currency. Uh, but they own no terrain. They have a magisterial palace in Rome, a hospital in Malta, and that's it. And they operate worldwide. And it was a fascinating organization to me, but it didn't factor into Ring of Fire. So I just kind of tucked it into my you know, hip pocket and said, sooner or later, I'm going to write a book about those guys. Uh, and then uh, last year, after I finished American Trader, I got locked in like everybody else did. I had to write a book. And I was like, OK, that's it. I'm writing about the Knights of Malta. <laughs> so. I started doing a deep dive research on them. So End of Days, Brad, is a Pike Logan novel, and it is book 16 in the series? Yeah, book 16. Wow. Okay, let's wind back the clock a bit. We have uh, a lot of former military, a lot of security practitioners that listen to this podcast. How did you get started with Pike Logan, and how was he created? Uh, it Honestly, I, I was in a special mission unit at Fort Bragg, and uh, after 9-11, I had done multiple deployments, and I wanted a break. And so the uh, XO, the Army ROTC Department at the Citadel here in Charleston, South Carolina, is always an SF guy. And I didn't know him, but I emailed him and said, how'd you get that job? And 
he said, contact this guy. And the guy I contacted was, uh, ended up being my S3 when I was a second lieutenant. And I said, here's what I've done. Uh, I'd like to be the XO of the Citadel Army ROTC department. And he said, uh, why? No. <laughs> he said, bring it on. I'll give you by name request. So when I got down here, I had a lot of time on my hands. I mean, it was, I was developing exercise, adaptive leadership exercise. I was doing anything I could to keep my hands busy because uh, uh, where I came from. Because teaching, was, while it's rewarding, it's basically rinse and repeat. You're doing the same thing three times a day. By nine in the morning, I'm like, what are we doing now? And so I told my wife, I think I'm going to write a book. And so I did. And I thought the book would sit on the bedside table. My mom would say it's a great book. And then it sold. And it put me on the horns of dilemma because I was going back to the special mission unit and I couldn't publish a book if I was doing that. And I'd come out on a promotion list of full colonel. Uh, my next assignment was unaccompanied to Southwest Asia for two years. My daughter was entering high school. There was a lot of competing interests. And so I decided to give writing a try. And I turned down the promotion and retired. Well, I would say that things have certainly worked out for you just with the scope of the success with your Pike Logan series, which is wonderful. And, you know, we've had Jack Carr and Brad Thor and and others on in the thriller space. And certainly Pike Logan has and continues to just be so successful. Now, when you're doing character development and you go back and how did you go about creating Pike Logan? Who is he? Well, honestly, I, my first book, One Rough Man, I wanted to write a story of redemption. That's all I really wanted to do. And, um, you know, the Rocky theme type thing, I really wanted. That's the story I wanted to get out. Uh, but uh, everybody talks about write what you know. And I was a counterterrorist commando, so that's what Pike became. If I'd have been a police officer, Pike would have been a cop. If I'd have been a priest, Jennifer would have been a nun. I, I <laughs> just wrote what I knew. But the story was redemption. It wasn't, I mean, there's a lot of gunplay and obviously all that stuff comes into play, but it was a story of redemption to me. And looking back on this, Brad, did you always want to write books? I mean, when you were a little kid, is this something that you wanted to do? Yeah, it actually is. If you go to my webpage, there's a true story on the, uh, on the author's note that uh, when I was in college on my first date with my now wife, uh, I told her I was going special forces. And I was going to write a book. And, you know, at that point, it was just nothing. <laughs> but that, that's, I then went Special Forces. And when it came time to write a book, I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to write a book and I'm going to do it. Now, as you put these stories together, I just know from following your social media feed, you do a tremendous amount of research. You visit these areas and so forth. And as you start to cobble that book together, I know the difficulty it it has been for me to try to put nonfiction together. How long does it usually take you from idea, pen to paper, and start to finish? Uh, it actually depends on the book. For a while there, I was doing two books a year, which was absolutely crushing. Uh, I mean, the story behind that is I, I would write a book, and I, I book uh, writing was not paying the bills, so I was a security contractor uh, for various agencies around the United States. And I'd look at my schedule and say, my book's due in December, and I've got contracts from July to January. I've got to get in, in in July. But I didn't know anything about the publishing industry whatsoever. And so when the book came in, I write about current events. And the problem with current events is they're current. And anything could alter the trajectory of my book. 
Um, for instance, in One Rough Man, if we'd have gone to war with Iran, we were rattling sabers with them. If we'd have gone to war with them, that'd be the end of it. You know, who wants to read a book about threatening a war with Iran when we already went to war with Iran? And so um, I would pound my publisher in the head saying, get this book out, get this book out. <laughs> and my publisher, of course, would say, you realize you're not the only author, right? We appreciate the fact that you got <laughs> the book in in July when it was due in December, but it's coming out in December. <laughs> so I did that about three times in a row. And they said, well, how about this? You want one out every six months? We'll put it out every six months. And like an idiot, I said, okay, I can do that. But there's a huge difference between turning a book in early and having a deadline that you have <laughs> to get the book in. And so I wrote probably, I think, three years, two books a year. And the final book, Ring of Fire, I remember telling my wife that I was like, I'm not making a deadline. I am just completely worn out. I was still doing security consulting. And you're not writing three books a year. You're promoting one book. You're editing a second book. And you're starting a third book. Uh, I still had to do the book research trips. I was still writing novellas. I told her, I, this isn't going to happen. And luckily for me, my publisher called me and said, we'd like to go back to one book a year. And I was like, roger that. <laughs> so I got another four months on that book. So are you still in the security consultant space? Um, you know, honestly, since COVID hit, um, not so much anymore. I, I've got a few feeds. People ask me every once in a while, you know, you want to do this, you want to do that. And I've kind of turned them down because of uh, just the job itself, not any COVID-related reasons. I was just like, ah, it didn't look sexy. And all of the contracts I used to have um, when COVID hit, they just disappeared. They don't do them anymore. So I am looking right now to get back into it because Lord knows there's only so much time I could spend in this house. So my wife is actually saying, get out, <laughs> go do a job somewhere. <laughs> we'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Ontech Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontech.co slash center. That's ontech.co slash center. Now, we have a lot of people that want to do exactly what you have done that listen to this podcast. You've had an extraordinarily successful military career. Your books have been New York Times bestsellers. What advice would you give to either that individual that wants to do what you did in the Special Forces or write that best-selling thriller? I, I would say for the writing side of it that uh, you, you've got to write a book. I know that sounds trite, but that's what it is. I, I get emails all the time saying, I have this great idea for a book. How do I find a publisher? And a publisher's not going to buy an idea. You have to write the book. And if, you're, if you don't want to write, if you're looking at, um, I, I want to make money off a book as opposed to writing a book, you're never going to succeed. When I wrote my first book, like I said, I, I didn't intend for it to be published. I, I just 
wanted to write a book. And the first thing that has to happen is you have to write a book. And if you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, I'm not going to put all that time into writing a book if I'm not going to get published, then you're never getting published. You need to write a book. Yeah, that's very well said. And then as a former lieutenant colonel, now retired, that uh, has been involved in the special forces detachments, what advice would you give Brad to that individual that wants to do that as well? I'd say uh, the most thing is it's a mental game. There's it's willpower. You know, there's all this talk about, uh, you know, how fast can you shoot and how far can you run and all that. And it's all important. But at the end of the day, at least at my level, um, it, they want problem solvers. They want somebody who can solve a problem. And they want somebody who can solve a problem under extreme stress and extreme duress. Um, so I would say that, you know, focus on the physical aspects of it. But you, you're not going into those types of units because you want to wear the trident or you want to brag about being in the unit. That you will, that's not going to happen. You have to want to go because that's something you want to do. When I went into SF, this was back before Call of Duty and back before 9-11. That was a death knell. I was an infantry officer, and everybody in my battalion told me, you're going to ruin your career if you go to SF. But that's what I joined the Army for. I was going into SF. That's the reason I went. And so it didn't matter to me about ruining a career. I, I didn't even have a career. Who cares? Uh, and I wanted to do it for the job itself, not because now everybody loves soft and, and Call of Duty's out there, and you know everybody wants to talk about it. When I went in, it was because that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I would say. If you really want to do it because of those reasons, then by all means, drive forward. But if you want to do it so you can wear the trident and then write a book, you're in it for the wrong reason. You know, that's very sound advice, Brad. I My last book uh, was about Bill Buckley, who was the CIA station chief. Yeah, yeah. That He's in had, my third book. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he always wanted to be a soldier, and he enlisted right out of high school and went off uh, with the first cav to the Korean War, where he was awarded the Silver Star and then goes back on the GI Bill and gets his college education and then returns to Vietnam, where he was in special forces. And his entire career was devoted to service to our, our great nation. And, and I think as you look back on your career, what have been some of the best moments for you with your service to our country? Oh, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't pick. There are sometimes I think about, uh, I mean, this. It, my life is split between pre-9-11 and post-9-11. And uh, there are some times where I served in the infantry, which were the most miserable moments of my life. Uh, people don't understand how hard it is to be just an average grunt. It is, it is just painful. But it's some of the best memories of my life. And then post 9-11, after being in combat, uh, there's a lot of times when some things happen. I'm not going to say it on this show, but there's some things that happen that are just like, boy, if anybody saw that, they'd say, you're the National Mission Force? What the hell? I mean, they're <laughs> just funny. No, I get it. I get it. So I, I, I have too many to count. Is there anything that you would do differently now looking back on your career? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of things I do differently. For example? Well, I'm not going to air out my dirty laundry. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of times I lay awake at night thinking I shouldn't have done this and I should have done that. And 
I mean, people get hurt and yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's plenty of things I'd do differently. What about in the publishing space? Publishing space, I would say that uh, I don't think I'd do anything differently. I mean, had I known what I know now, maybe I would have, but I just, I'm still learning the publishing world and I've been blessed. I'm telling you right now, if somebody had told me how hard it was to get published as a fiction author, uh, I probably never would have turned the book in. Well, that's not true. I mean, if you told me how hard it was to get in the unit, I still did that. So I probably would have turned it in, but I, I had no idea how hard it was to be published. And uh, I've been uh, blessed with that. And so, it, I mean, on the on the surface, I could say, you know, here's the, the, the table. Would I sand off some edges? Maybe. But at the end of the day, I've it's worked out well for me. I, I have no complaints. Yeah, that's for sure. From a leadership perspective, what advice would you pass on to those individuals now that are running either executive protection teams, security teams, or they're in uh, some form of management role now? Is there any quick advice that you would pass along? Yeah, well, I don't know about, you know, PSDs and that kind of stuff. I, I'm not sure what you you're talking about tactical advice, but as a leader, as a leadership thing, uh, there's two things I've learned is that, number one, you have to care for the people that are below you. Uh, I mean, you literally have to care, not fake it. You have to care for them. And number two, you have to show a reason why you're in charge. And that reason could be a lot of different things, but there's got to be a reason why you're in charge and they are not. And if you have those two things, uh, you'll succeed immeasurably because your men will do the success for you. You don't have to succeed on your own. They will do it. Uh, and, and you know, actually, you know, I'm, I'm kind of quoting a uh, Medal Honor winner from Vietnam. That's kind of what his leadership advice was to me. And I've lived with it ever since. Franklin Miller is a guy, by the way. Yeah, it's very, very powerful when you put it in that kind of uh, space based on what you have done. What's on the horizon for Brad Taylor? Is Pike Logan going to continue after End of Days comes out and no doubt will be the next bestseller? Yeah, I'm writing right now. We just we actually got back from Croatia right for Omicron hit. Uh, I did my book, finally got to go out and do book research. I didn't get to do it for uh, End of Days. I had to pull out. So most of about 10% of my research actually ends up in the book. And so we got locked down, obviously. Everybody else did too. I couldn't fly anywhere. Well, I could fly to certain countries, but then the government of the United States was like, you're not flying home. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. And uh, so I went back. Luckily, iPhotos kept all my pictures. Went back and started doing research on my own. I just got back from Croatia and I'm writing book 17 right now. That's amazing. Do you have a favorite pistol, Brad? Uh, I, well... That's kind of a trick question. So favorite concealed carry pistol, favorite full size. Give me both. So I've, the Hellcat's my favorite concealed carry pistol. Actually, Hellcat RPD with the uh, hollow sight. My, I would say my favorite uh, pistol of all time is the uh, ZTech Glock I've got, although it's been jamming lately when I go to range. And I'm trying to figure out why. I put a new uh, slide stop in it, and uh, I think that's the problem. But before it functioned flawlessly, and now it uh, every third round it'll stovepipe, and I'm like, "What in the world's going on with this thing?" Makes it kind of hard to shoot steel when you're stovepiping every three rounds. Brad, is there anything else that you would like to say that I haven't asked you? 
Uh, no, just that I uh, hope they enjoy it. They can go to bradtaylorbooks.com to read an excerpt of uh, End of Days, and I hope they enjoyed it. I didn't get any tough questions. What's up with that? <laughs> End of Days, a Pike Logan novel, is published on January the 11th. Brad Taylor, thanks so much for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Fred. It's good to be back. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.